Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to the Know Your Gear QA podcast number, or should I say episode 259. Um, before we get started on this show, we have something really cool. I want to thank Sean Brooks. Uh, he did a follow-up, and I'm going to fill you back in because it was a couple weeks ago, uh, a couple episodes ago. Uh, Sean Brooks gave us an update. So if you don't recall, Sean, Sean what happened was he sold a guitar on eBay and the purchaser of said guitar uh, contacted him and said the setup on this guitar was horrible and he asked for a discount uh, because the guitar is not set up the way he likes it uh, within you know Spectrum. I don't know if he said specifically the way he likes it, just said he didn't like the setup. And so the question Sean had for all of us in the community was, you know, should he basically have to discount this guitar for a setup? And we, uh, I believe... Uh, it's felt like the sense consensus consensus or census no consensus was that we agreed that no a setup is a personal thing especially buying a used guitar especially buying a guitar from an independent party you know what i mean just setup is just something you're just going to have to pay to have done and uh so sean contacted ebay and he's got an update on what ebay said so he says they find i finally got resolution uh from ebay about the buyer wanting the 50 dollars off for the setup eBay offered to pay for return shipping. So basically, in other words, the eBay told the buyer, like, we'll pay to have it returned and you just get a full refund and Sean will get his guitar back. And uh, the and the buyer said, never mind, I'll keep the guitar. So basically, they called his bluff and uh, the buyer backed down. And that happens a lot. You know, um, thank you, Sean, first, for giving us the update. And uh, I'm second, also, I'm glad it kind of worked out for you or worked out for you, uh, considering the stress from it or aggravation from it, I should say. But you know what's funny is I've had this happen a couple times to me on Reverb uh, and eBay over the years where exactly this. You send something out and somebody goes, oh, there's a – Mark, I didn't see in the pictures and I didn't see you disclose it or whatever, or something is blah, blah, blah wrong with the guitar. And, uh, you know, can I get a discount? And, you know, I find just like Sean, you're sitting there going, okay, it, I'll discount it. Cause obviously if I made a mistake, I I'll honor my mistake. But a lot of times you just wonder like, are they just working me for the deal? Cause now they got it. It's kind of like when you meet somebody in the parking lot of Craigslist and all of a sudden they're like, I only brought $400 with me. Can we do it for that? And you're like, wait a minute. You knew what the price was. It's almost like they know that they got you there. They got the cash in front of you, and they know how to work you a little bit. And uh, and a lot of times, you know, I I cave in. Depends on what it is, because uh, you know you, you just you just you have to analyze each situation. But it does suck, and it is something that you guys are going to be prepared for. So one thing I will tell you that sucks is not only do you have to uh, deal with all this stuff and now deal with ten ninety nines and all that stuff, and you're also going to have to start. Not only taking good pictures, but taking video of you packing up the instruments that you ship out to people. I mean, some people may say I'm being a little overly cautious, but I find I'm hearing too many of these situations so often that you're just going to have to take not extreme measures, but extra measures when you get packages. You're going to have to film yourself opening them. I'm very lucky, as I've said before, um, when I – because I have a rig and I'm in a room that's already camera ready. I can push a button and just go. So when I get stuff shipped to me, especially used – actually used, um, a lot of times I'll turn on the camera and and videotape it. In fact, I think I said this before. Almost every single – instrument i've ever done a video for on this channel i've done the unboxing i just don't give it to you guys because i only show the unboxing if i thought it was interesting and um most of them aren't (laughs) most of them are just me struggling with a box um so it just uh 
it just sucks. And uh, so I just wanted, that's great. Thank you, Sean, for the update. And it sucks that it happened. And be prepared uh, to to take cautions like that, guys, because that's it. And then re- I want to reiterate that something that you can mention uh, in your listings on Reverb is that setups are a personal preference and that you may need to do your own setup on this guitar. So think about that. Um, <laughs> ben Coombs says, you bring 90% of the money and I'll bring 90% of the guitar. Well, it doesn't help when they brought 90% of the money and you have 100% of the guitar with you. Uh, so, <laughs> all right. We have other things to talk about. What's What happened? We have uh, some other early comers that came early. Uh, Adrian said, hey, Phil, would there will there ever be a KYG pedal? Uh, what effect would it be? Uh, I have been working on a Know Your Gear pedal uh a couple of them, limited runs. Like we did some limited runs. I had this, the plan that has colossally failed, <laughs> colossally, uh, was we wanted to do we were we wanted to do a product run every quarter, so for a year. And the idea was to do a limited run of products. And uh, and uh, obviously the Kiesel uh, Copper Delos is one of those. Uh, if you guys don't know that, that was the one we did. Where when I did that video, you know, you guys could get one. And um, we did the zither stands and stuff like that. And the idea was to do this, like, kind of know your gear, limited run of something every three months at all kinds of price points, something a little less expensive, something more expensive, something fun. And a lot of times, the majority of the times, I offered flat out with the companies, like, I will, this is how many I think we're going to sell, and I will pay for them up front. And to give you a reference of the market and how it's been and how it still is, a lot of the companies that uh, have talked to me that would love to do this have flat out just told me, like, we can't do it. I have a pedal company that literally I said, okay, I'll buy a hundred pedals up front. And so, you know, that may not sound like a lot. That may sound like a lot. They wanted to do a 50 unit run. I said, can we do a hundred? They go, well, let's keep it to 50. I said, do a hundred and I'll pay for them up front. And actually I would do 500. I would do 500 if they would, would have done it, but they did a hundred or they agreed finally a hundred, but they just can't make a hundred. And so, you know, that's a guaranteed sell for them. Cause I will pay for all 100 pedals right up front. They even said they would give me 30 days to pay for it. I said, I will literally pay for it. I will send you the cash through the internet right now, pay for all 100 pedals. And then I will deal with all of it. Uh, you just ship the box, the of pedals to me. And so to answer your question, yes. Uh, will we do that? Yes. The idea was to do this. Uh, we, we had talked about this. I think I told you, I talked to Paul Reed Smith about doing a limited 26 piece run of SEs and a custom color, know your gear. And again, these aren't signature things. These were just limited runs that we could do and be a little fun, like those zither stands. And, and, um, and, uh, the problem has been exactly that. Most of the companies that uh, have agreed to do it, their issues are, they just can't, keep up with their own demand they have now so making anything extra is just a little tricky so um we'll see we'll continue so they answer your question what pedal would it be uh well and it could be a delay pedal it could be uh, a, a boost pedal it could be an eq pedal something like that so i like pedals uh in the idea of limited run pedals i like pedals that are um that are i guess what's the best way to put this i like pedals that are uh you can have them in addition to something else you already have. So for instance, you know, you can always, do you need 10 overdrives? I don't know, but you can always use a delay, good delay pedal or a good boost or a good EQ pedal, something on the side. So, um, and Ronnie said, I'd pay for a pedal, a KYG pedal up front for sure. Same here. Like I said, same thing, same here, same here. I will literally, um, I have a budget. So, you know, we, we, 
we amassed a budget to do this. That's to, these runs. And uh, like I said, we did the zither stands, and that was great. And we churned that right away. You guys went through 100 stands in a, like a week and a half. It was crazy. Um, and uh, same thing. You know, uh, we'll see. We will see. I will, I, will, I will continue to talk to companies about this stuff. So um, we were actually, we're still in, we're still in process. I'll, I'll guess I'll let, let it out of the bag. Can I show you pictures? I don't think I can. Not like I can't, like I can't show you pictures. I don't think I physically have it on the computer. Um, let me, let me show you. Uh, and I apologize. Hold on, guys. I'm going to send this right now. It's on my phone. So I don't want to hold up my phone to the screen and be like, see, Okay, give me one second as I, maybe it'll be worth the wait. I don't know. Yeah, okay, here it is. Let me make make this big. All right, um, first let me show you this one. This is something, again, just so you guys know what I'm talking about. We were I'm working on all these projects right now. Um, here's one. What you're looking at here is uh, obviously Seafoam Green, Jazz Master, not jazz master, sorry, seafoam green jazz base bodies uh, that are special. And when I say special, you'll see why in a second. Go back to me and let me show you the next one. Give me a second, please, as I pull it up. Here it is. Okay. And then here's the other thing. Go back to this. Okay, here you go. And here are the next. So what this is, is we were doing a 10 limited edition 27 inch scale four string bases. Uh, I have the prototype here at, at my house. Obviously, these are from Valiant in the Ukraine. You can imagine why there's a problem with getting them. These these were actually these pictures are from them after, uh, you know, after everything started. Whoops. Let me get out of that screen. Sorry for that. Um, and um, so obviously another project, obviously we were working on, uh, Igor and I were working on doing 10 limited edition, know your gear, mini bases uh, that were going to be cool and priced a little be- well better than what they normally do and do a really cool thing. And we'll see, like I said, it's just a horrible thing that's happening with those guys. But, um, but I, it, you know, Igor and I are determined. I, and if I, I, I really think this is going to happen. I have, a, I have a good I have faith enough to believe that everything will work out to some degree, and we'll get that done. And uh, so, again, so to, just to follow up with the, what you guys are asking, I have I am been doing projects of doing limited edition stuff, trying to do it once a quarter. I lined them all up. I had at some point at six, and I go, "Wow, that's a year and a half, right? Year and a half worth of stuff. This is gonna be exciting." And literally, out of the six, five fell through. So that's uh, we'll 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 see. Next question or subject was. Um, J.R. White wants to know, hey, Phil, what PRS model is most like a Gibson Les Paul slim taper neck? None of them. Uh, obviously, the closest, you said closest, the closest is going to be the wide thin neck, but it's still not the same kind of feel or carve to me. I would say if you like that uh, Gibson neck, you're not going to dig the PRS carve as much if that's what you're looking for. Um, that's just my my two cents. But um, but if you're going to try one, definitely try a wide thin or a pattern thin Definitely would be the ones to consider. They're going to be a lot more C-shaped, less U-shaped than the Gibson, but at least they'll be in the realm of what you're looking for. And uh, We'll be right back. 
But you still loading them and heating them up with all your single shit you've been dropping. You yeah. feel me? Loading them up on. It, it only takes structure. And, and, you know, just paying attention to the climate of the game. Yeah. Know what I mean? So do do your homies uh got a role in your in your little you know I mean? Yeah, yeah, we all we all artists over here, man. I'm trying to get them on there. Yeah. yeah. Hey, Damn, you know, you know, you know, yeah. Look, 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 look. We all artists, man. We go you feel me? We gonna have this like Bro, me and my man, like me and my man Kyle, we be like, I don't know, we play, we play with this <laughs> shit. Right now. With this I gotta lie, we play with this shit right now for real. Oh, don't play with it. Don't play with it. No. Take that shit serious. Then, then the next subject was, I have no idea. <laughs> oh, 3J, 3J Music says, hey, Phil, if you had to get rid of one, okay, we'll play the game. Uh, would it be your copper Kiesel or your copper Strat? Uh, so it would be the copper Strat. Uh, I love the copper Strat. It's been here forever. It's, it's, it's a very personal guitar to me because I've had it for so long and it's been, you know, something I've always gone to. Um, but if you can't tell from those videos, uh, I, you know, I'm not an artist with Kiesel, of course, <laughs> I'm not an artist with any company. Uh, so obviously if you see this, when you see a guitar, like my Gibson SG or the Kiesel, uh, you know, uh, Copper Delos, of course the Copper Strat used to come up a lot. When you see a guitar common popping up on videos, I think I've said this to you guys before, when you see me reviewing things that are not guitars, like amps and pedals, I would, I would say, and this is advice for all of you to pay attention to all YouTube channels. I have, I can't tell you for sure this is all YouTube channels, but I can tell you that most of them probably follow this, at least in the conversations I have. If you really want to see what guitars really kind of really the, the, they, they like, uh, like me, just stick with me. If you want to see what guitars I really like, uh, and I really think play great and sound great, uh, watch what I used, watch guitars I used to demo amps and pedals, because it's not just a coincidence. You know what I mean? I'm not paid anything like a, Oh, if you use this guitar in your next amp video, you'll get a, you know, a royalty check or something none of that happens, at least in my situation, none of that happens. And so, uh, when it's, it's simple as I just want like everything, I want to put my best foot forward. So what guitar sounds the best? What guitar can I play the best? Uh, which a lot of times for me, if I'm demoing something, especially anything that's slightly out of my comfort zone, which means I'm demoing a pedal or an amp that's, you know, it sounds good, but maybe it's not the thing I'm used to playing all the time. I really don't want to be, you know, fuddling with a guitar uh, and, 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 you know, messing around with everything. So notice if you pay attention to what guitars I pull out, then you can tell those guitars mean something to me in either the way they sound or the way they play or both. And, uh, the Kiesel, I was playing that SG all the time. The, the SG, you guys saw the Sunburst one and then the Kiesel Delos, cause it just plays and sounds great. And also, I also pay attention to what the comments are on those videos. And I see if somebody says, oh, that was really bright or this is this, you know, a lot of you guys will go, well, that sounds really good. And then I go, okay, well then that's the regular guitar so the kiesel delos is probably going to be for a long time the main go-to uh just use that guitar to demo a lot of stuff because it has a coil split it sounds really convincing as a strat it sounds convincing as a humbucker guitar it plays really nice it looks cool in the video um so there you go uh jeff rock says can't believe you sold your vader well you'd have to see what's what i bought instead <laughs> I'm going to say it rhymes with Schmader, and it looks cooler than the other Schmader. 
That's it. But I love that Vader. That was an awesome thing. So he's talking about, obviously, I sold my blue Vader. Um, I had bought that used. Remember, that's the very that's the very first uh, Kiesel I ever bought. I bought that used. I absolutely loved it. However, um, I find I slowly found out a, rota- a rotation as I kept playing this uh, Kiesel, uh, a single-cut bevel. And so I was like, okay, I'm not playing as much. And then something happened, which rhymes with Schmader. <laughs> so look for it on the channel soon. <laughs> All right. Anyways, I don't know why I'm laughing. That was the dumbest thing I've ever said, but it still made me laugh. Um, okay. Um, this is Mean Mr. Mustard. All right. I like that name. That sounds... <laughs> mean Mr. Mustard says, Hey, Phil, why is Gibson uh, hardly trying to get hold of the younger market they seem to just go harder into hard rock and people with cash in general. Well, that's not new. So let me back up, and I'm going to assume this is about the Coachella thing. Obviously, there was an article this week, if you guys don't know Coachella. Uh, Coachella, am I saying it right? I'm pretty sure it's Coachella. Um, but I'm sure somebody will have an opinion about how I say it in the comments down below. So please do. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so anyways, uh, Coachella, um, there was an article that said that basically a lot of the musicians at Coachella were, I guess I say that word 10,000 times now, where a lot of musicians were not playing Gibsons. A lot of them were playing Fenders. Fenders were the dominant one, which I believe in the past, Fender was always a sponsor or one of the sponsors of Coachella. So that could always be part of it. However, uh, and it also talked about the fact there wasn't a lot of uh, distortion tones, a lot of bands playing cleanly. Um, you know, well, first of all, you got to understand. Let's, I don't know how relevant, uh, well, Coachella is huge. So that's what I don't want to say anything because, you know, it's not relevant, but I'm going to say, I don't know how relevant it is to the new thing. Coachella used to be, and it still might be this thing. Okay. Again, I want to be very uh, light handed with this because I'm not trying to offend anyone on this uh, platform, but you got to say Coachella started out as like an indie thing and now it makes like a hundred million dollars a year. Okay, uh, and that's not an exaggeration. That was numbers I saw they posted. They're making a hundred uh, million a year on those on that this event, and so it's a big event and it's worth a lot of money. So it's 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 not the same thing it used to be. But that's not the in- interesting point of this. The interesting point is, first of all, uh, Gibson's lack of Gibson's there could be a lack of sponsored dollars there. I mean, Doja Cat announced the new. And this is not exaggerating. This is true. If you guys are following all this stuff at Coachella. Uh, Doja Cat, if you don't know who Doja Cat is, uh, she's like, uh, she's a pop artist, right? She does, uh, stuff with Scissor, with, uh, with Scissor, Scissor, sorry, with an A, Scissor. Uh, anyways, uh, Doja Cat announced the new, I'm not making this up, the new, uh, bring, the new, the fact that the Taco Bell's bringing back the Mexican pizza. That was on stage. She screamed out, hey, like, like, I understand this is a big rock concert. People are cheering. Doja Cat's like, I brought back the Mexican pizza, y'all. I did that. <laughs> and they all cheered like all these kids. <sighs> Mexican pizza's back. Now, look, I don't know how much Taco Bell paid her to say that. And I hope they paid her a lot because I'm sure she deserves every penny. My point is, is that when you're playing in an event that's making $100 million, you've got to understand there's a lot of money now play in play. Okay. So first of all, a lack of Gibsons could be Gibson just isn't paying artists or giving artists the amount of guitars. And that's, again, uh, that's just a thing we don't know. We just don't know what Gibson's doing and not doing. Where other brands might be willy-nilly with it. Look, 
I don't know. I can only infer things from my experiences. As a YouTube channel that does gear reviews, uh, I can tell you who the who exactly are the companies that w interact with gear channels and get gear out there in front of your guys and who doesn't do it at all. Gibson is definitely one of the worst at getting product out. They don't, they don't seem to do it. They're very selective with who they do it with and why they even do it at that point. And that's their right. That's absolutely true. And, and, and again, we're talking about a youth market. And of course the gear market is a different market, but the point is some companies like Gibson don't feel they have to pay anybody probably because they don't have to pay anybody. <laughs> Okay. Right. Um, uh, think about this. Gibson has never sent a guitar to this channel ever. Uh, and, and, uh, I've reviewed, that is the most guitars I've reviewed on this channel is Gibson's. Uh, if you go through all my videos, if you go by brand, uh, Gibson is number one, PRS is number two by, by right. And PRS is supplied probably about 70% of the guitars that I've reviewed on this channel. I've bought 30% and they sent 70% of the channel, seven, you know, uh, 70% of the uh, guitars for, for reviews and videos. So, um, <laughs> so anyways, um, my point is, uh, they're in the, they're in the market cause they don't have to give out guitars. So with this, it could be a little bit as simple as that. That's part of it. But also you have to understand in my mind, I would be shocked. Let me start with where I would be shocked. I would be shocked if a lot of Gibsons were at Coachella and here's why young people aren't supposed to buy expensive guitars. At least they didn't before. I don't see where it would change now. Uh, young artists aren't going to buy $4,000 guitars. Uh, it didn't work that way 30 years ago. Uh, it didn't work that way 40 years ago. It didn't work that way 10 years ago. I can't imagine it's going to work that way now. And even when it comes to artists, if you go to Coachella, uh, their website, and go look at music, you look at these bands, you have a lot of up-and-coming bands. You have a lot of indie bands. You have a lot of bands that are doing well. But they're not, you know, they're not making $80 million and they're just like, hey, I can't wait to put a 59 Gibson, you know what I mean, on stage. These are uh, people who are literally buying their guitars or getting sponsored guitars and they're going to be... They're, they're going to be more reasonably priced instruments. So obviously, who's the most reasonably priced brand name instrument on the market? It's Fender, it's how, who started out being the most reasonably priced uh, instrument. It's Fender. So I think that's what makes sense to me. So it makes sense that Fender's number one. And it also, here's what I thought was odd when I read the article. I saw the article everybody else saw. I thought it was weird to point out that Gibson wasn't there. Why Gibson? Why not point out why Ibanez wasn't there so much? Why point out why Schechter wasn't there so much? Why not point out why... You know, Paul Parry Smith wasn't there so much. I mean, there was a couple mentions about some of that stuff, but I think it, it's not really a sign of anything. I think Gibsons have always been for people who can can pay for them. Um, I was, well, I can tell you right now, I was 30 when I bought my first Fender. Uh, is that right? 20, 20, 29, 29 Fender, uh, 29 when I bought my first Fender. Um, I was, I, I can't imagine. I think it was probably 15 years ago when I bought my first Gibson. So I, I don't know. So, I mean, again, you're not going to, I don't remember as a kid, like, oh, I'm just going to take me down to the store and buy a Gibson. So Brian says Gibson is fun to hate on. Well, I think Gibson is an interesting thing to talk about because they've created so much stuff to talk about, but I don't think that there's anything I saw relevant to Gibson doing well or bad. Let's let's just face it. Gibson's killing it right now like everybody else is killing it in the guitar market. They've all had record years. 
Fenders had the record time in their business. They're about to hit a billion dollars. I'm not. That's not an exaggeration. That is absolutely true. Fender is about to do a billion dollars, uh, the first time in their history, of course. Um, and and Gibson again is probably posting a record number that they've ever seen in their company's history. So these companies are doing well. So it's not a sign of anything. It really is just a sign of the same thing we always knew. People with money buy expensive things. People without money don't. That's how that's going to be. And Gibson's going to lean into that as hard as they can. Why? Because that's their business model. You don't see Ferrari trying to figure out how to make cars affordable for everybody. Ferrari's like, if I could just make a $24,000 car that gets good gas mileage, we'll be set. Like, you know what I mean? Sometimes there's there's a high-end market. So that, that's my take on that. You know, and I was shocked. I'll tell you what I was shocked about. I was shocked not to see so many weird, not so many weird off-brand guitar brands. <laughs> I was thinking, you know, it would be cool if I was, you know, young again and uh, in a band and trying to show everybody I don't care. I'd be sporting those Harley Bentons and those, you know, Rondo music guitars and, you know, you name it. Just something that says, like, I don't care. <laughs> so you st- I, st- I was shocked how many brand name products I, st- I saw when I was looking at what uh, all the information I saw. So, um, but, hold on, just reading some of the guys, uh, some of your guys' comments. David says, I wish Gibson was better made for the money. Sure, of course, of course. Well, that's why they make PRSs. Uh, you know, it's the, it's the, it's the plight, David. It's the plight. I see it every day. Uh, it, it's like, I, I wish Gibsons were made better. Well, then buy a PRS. They're made better. But they don't have a soul and personality like Gibsons do. Oh, well, then buy a Gibson. But they're not made that well. Well, then buy a PRS. But they don't have the soul that Gibson <laughs> Well, then find a different brand. <laughs> yeah, but I'm with you, buddy. Um, I like my Gibson fine. I, I'm, I have my SG with P90s out again. I was playing that this morning. It's great. Okay. So there's my thoughts on that, I, I guess. I'm curious to what you guys think. Um, like I said, but nothing was uh, crazy to me. Um, I don't even say Drago. Drago? I'm sorry. Drago Sound says, like, Gibson is the okay boomer of guitars, if that's something you care about. Uh, you know what's funny is I don't agree with that at all. <laughs> I believe Gibson is where everyone wants to end up for some reason. Uh, and even though, and here, here's why, I have met more hypocrites in the guitar community when it comes to Gibson. Gibson is like this really powerful thing where you find somebody, you find yourself a, a 24-year-old person and they go, ah, Gibsons are just for old dudes. And when that 24-year-old person hits their 40s and 50s, the first thing they do is going to go buy a, Gib- a Gibson. And the reason is... And there's no shame in this. I don't understand the problem with people putting weird uh, kind of tones on things. There's something, there's a reason why you do that. As you get older, you one, you get sick of spending money and losing money. And I don't mean older. I don't mean old. I just older. <laughs> you could be 25 and sick of spending money and losing money. And you start realizing in the guitar commun- guitar world, some guitars just don't lose money like others. And Gibsons are definitely those. They, they hold money for sure. I've said this before. I have a couple Gibson Les Pauls. I always have a couple Gibson Les Pauls. Um, if I, and of course, since the pandemic is a little tricky, but if I see a Gibson Les Paul for a good deal, I always buy it. I always buy it. And the reason is, is because if you have one or two laying around, as silly as it sounds, I have found so many situations where I, I see somebody selling a guitar I really want. 
and they want good money for it, and I don't want to spend that, but they'll trade for, like, I'll trade you this Gibson Les Paul and 700 bucks, and they're like, done, done. Um, and I've told you this many times over, there's just something about that. Everybody will take, and here's why, not because they want a Gibson, because they also are like, well, I can flip that Gibson real fast too. You know, there's just something about the Gibsons and how they do that. And it's because a lot of people, and it's, look at rock stars as soon as they get old. Uh, George Lynch, ESPs his whole career. Now you, you go on his Instagram. It's like, he's still with ESP, but man, every other photo is him and a Gibson. Thunder Falcon says, so is Gibson a status symbol? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, and I think they brand as such. Uh, I think they, they, they literally, well, isn't their slow, slow, slogan, only Gibson's good enough? Like that's, I mean, I think in that slogan, it kind of is like, <laughs> right? <laughs> it's just, that's exactly what that slogan means, right? Um, but I don't know. My thing is this, like I said, I like all guitars to some extent. There's something I find interesting with guitars. I'm definitely more of a Strat style player, though. I like the comfort of them and the feel. Okay, let's go to the next subject. We kind of talked about this for a while. Let's see. Hold on, I'm just reading some of your guys' comments. All right, let me let me change gears here. And let's see what Antique Rocker wants to talk about. Antique Rocker says, why haven't I seen a 12-string on your wall? Okay, good point. Uh, what happened to your Ibanez? He means my Ibanez 12-string. I had the RT. That was one of the first videos I did. Hey, thank you, Antique Rocker, for being someone who's either watched, uh, been around for a while watching my videos or went back in the catalog. Um, have you ever played a six-string banjo? Uh, ganjo. Yeah, we used to call him, uh, what is it, uh, Ganjos? I think you call Guitar Joe. He's calling it a Guitar Joe. We used to call it Ganjos um, or Banjitars. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, I've played a six-string banjo. Uh, it's not, was not my thing. Uh, I had a Dean one for a short minute, like every, well, not like everybody, but a lot of people have went down that road. What I really figured out was the five string banjo for concept from the guitar isn't that crazy. So if I was going to put the effort into playing banjo, I was just going to do it the way I wanted to do it. Um, but the 12 string thing is real simple. Um, I didn't keep that RT, obviously. I don't know if I regret getting rid of it or not. I don't think so. I really wanted a really nice, uh, I want the Dane Electro 59 12 string. And when I find the right one, I'll eventually get it and then get rid of the Dan Electro 59 NOS that I have now, six string. As much as I love the six string, I'd rather have the 12 string. Okay. I just want to thank uh, Lorenzo and Singing Simplified for Super Chats, man. I appreciate that. Singing Simplified also said, question didn't attach to Super Chat. <laughs> okay. Uh, reason, instrument insurance. So he's asking about instrument insurance. You know, I think I should do some research on that. I don't know what to tell you guys. I've heard some of you guys say that you can get special uh, insurance for your instruments and whatnot. I didn't even ask my wife. I know we have different insurances for different things. I should ask her. You know what? I'm going to ask her because I bet you she knows. And I'm thinking like, I'm sitting here going, I should research this. But really, I bet you if I ask her, she'll tell me exactly how we do it. Because obviously she does it somehow. Um, Shawnee is a Cubs fan. What's up, Shawnee? He says, hey, Phil, what do you think of the Made in Japan Fender guitars? I've always been a fan. He says, I've been looking at a 62 reissue Telecaster from a seller in, I, I guess it's Kyoto? Kyoto. 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 Why can't I say it? It's Kyoto. I'm saying it wrong. Kyoto Bowl. Because I'm used to saying, we have a restaurant called Kyoto Bowl, and I'm still saying it wrong. Kyoto. Anyways, Kyoto. Says, and I'm not sure uh, what it's going to be like. Cheers from Chicago. Um, 
I have not played a bad Made in Japan Fender personally that wasn't just damaged from people, you know, playing it or, you know, wearing it out or damaging it. But I mean, everyone I've played that wasn't damaged by someone after the point from the factory has been a great guitar. So um, as long as it's in good condition, uh, I think it's a great guitar. Go for it. As you know, it's always the answer should be you should buy it. And especially that Made in Japan stuff's cool. Vim69 says, happy Friday, Phil. Did you see Low End Lobster's video about Gretsch? G2220. <laughs> Gretsch and their numbers. 2020, 2020, the G2220 bass, which is their short scale bass. Uh, he says, uh, coming with a single coil rather than the advertised humbuckers. What do you think, is, what do you think about such a big mistake? Um, I saw somebody sent me something from Low End Lobster. I've seen some of his videos before. Very cool guy. Uh, I like his lobster hand thing. Very cool. And, um, and I, what? I saw, I didn't see the whole video, but I saw something else. I think somebody, he did something on Instagram or something. Somebody sent it to me. I watched it, uh, and I was interested in it. Here's what I don't know. So again, I'm going to speak about this with little knowledge of the situation. So my, uh, uh, Kiato, thank you. Um, anyways, uh, what I understand the situation is, is he bought himself the G22, uh, 2220 short scale base that was advertised by Fender because Fender is the distributor of Gretsch with humbucker pickups in the base. He took one apart and what was in there was one coil. Um, I saw the picture. What I saw was one coil, um, two magnets, which is fine. Two magnets, one one wrapped wire with only a uh, with you know it's only one wire. All pickups, all single coils are just one wire. There's two ends, but it's just the start and the finish. So I saw a start and a finish wire, and I saw nothing else in the picture. I saw I saw nothing else. So from what I saw in the picture, it did look like a single coil. So I can confirm what I saw was a single coil as well. Um, and uh, and so the question here is the question. Uh, he. He did one pickup. I know this sucks, but it's just the truth. He did one pickup. So I would have to say, I I think you'd have to get another base and tear up another pickup to see if it was just that base that got that done. That could be just, that could just be a fluke. You know what I mean? Uh, factories do weird stuff. I mean, I've seen much weirder stuff than a single coil being shoved in a humbucker. Much weirder from companies like every, every brand from Ibanez on. I've seen crazier stuff. Okay. I've seen guitars. This is, I've absolutely seen this. I've seen guitars come directly from the manufacturer, open the box and the strings laying on the fretboard. Cause there's no saddles on the bridge. Like the bridge is there, but there's no saddles. Like they didn't install the saddles. They're just laying on the bridge. Weird things happen. So especially overseas and especially during a pandemic. And again, uh, it's going to sound like I'm kind of making excuses. I'm not making excuses. I'm just being even handed with the fact that we don't know all the circumstances. We also don't know is, uh, do they have, sometimes manufacturers do this stupid thing where they have the get out of free jail card when they basically say specifications may change without notification. <laughs> and then they put that in their marketing rhetoric, but then they put it somewhere else that they can change that stuff. Um, I find that stuff crap, by the way. I don't agree with that. I'm just explaining they do that. My thing is I'd like to do another one it, or see another base with another pickup. If that's something you want to see on the channel, you let me know. It's like $400. I, I would do it. I would buy one and disassemble it and do it on a deep dive video. I can get one randomly and make sure it's not, not, uh, and then we'd have two videos confirming it. Maybe he got good views on that. So I'm, we, I'll tell you where I'm shocked. I'm a little shocked. Uh, 
I'm a little shocked that Fender hasn't addressed it. Now, Arco's 55 says, Dylan Talks Tone says, Gratch website says a single coil. Well, they could have went in and, and with two rails. They could have went in and changed that. I don't know. Again, remember all this stuff I don't know because I'm not, I'm not part of this whole thing. Um, but like I said, what I saw was, I'll tell you what I, why I'm talking the way I am. What I saw was somebody say, like, I saw a thing on Instagram or however it was sent to me. It's a guy saying, hey, man, this is fraud. And they did this. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, we don't know. Like, it's not it's not fraud if a manufacturer made a mistake. That's a mistake. And they need to fix it. If all the bases are that way, then then you might have an issue. And also, um, and also uh, if it is what it is, like if it's mis, it is mis, mismarked or it's the wrong pickup. So like I said, I'd have to see for myself. I don't know. That's my thoughts on it. But I, I, I don't know. Thank you for the question, though, or the topic. It's an interesting topic. I, and so, you know, uh, onto a topic that would ta- attach to this is how many times have I seen manufacturers send out product that's not sp- specified? You know, the product's not specified the way they say it is. It happens all the time. All the time. <laughs> the nut is not what it says it is. It says it's bone, and it's obviously plastic. It goes the other way, too, which is crazy. Sometimes it'll say, I've had a guitar that said it was a veneer top, and it was actually a quarter-inch maple top. And we're like, what? And then we found out from after talking to the manufacturer, all of them are quarter-inch maple tops, and they just put veneer, but the they just they didn't know. So I don't know. It's a weird, it's weird out there. Christopher Bradley says, Have you ever had any experience with the Jackson Ampworks Scarlet 30 amp? I have not. I was curious about Jackson Ampworks uh when I saw the guitar player with John Mayer playing some, and I was like, Oh, that's a cool looking amp. And I thought they were always really interesting seeing what the shows. I've never had the 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 fortune to Check one out. I've never, never, never came across one in my travels. Alex says, watch and set up videos. And I notice all say capo the first fret to check relief, but differ on where to hold down the string. Is it the 12th fret or the neck piece body? <laughs> God, so, sorry, Alex, this thing's so long. Or is it the last fret? Does it so, so, solid versus semi-hollow matter? I don't know. This is going to be the worst answer you're ever going to get for a question like this. I would just watch one of my videos. That's how I do it. That's the way I recommend you do it. Um, when it comes to setups, I, I'm de- I told you I've dealt with this a couple times. There's a different there's different ways that you can do this same thing, and uh, and I'm and I have learned other ways and even talked about them and demonstrated them in videos on my channel. But the main way I do things is the way I do it. So the way I do it is how I do it. Um, when I check when I check neck relief, I always press down on the first fret and then I press on the last fret and then I tap around. Well, I, I don't care. I, I've heard everybody say like the 12th fret, this fret. What I do to keep make my life easy is I put my thumb on the last fret of the guitar and as far as my finger can reach is where I'm going to tap to check the relief. That's just how far I can make it, <laughs> which is the way I show you in all the videos, which is why, uh, which is why uh, even though my reviews are always been very in-depth, uh, we morph them into what we call more of a deep dive format where it's more like the Sharp and My Axe stuff where it's more detailed and and exactly that, because in every review, what I want in every video now is to be a mini documentary of that guitar with not only all the information you need, but all the things you need. Like you'll see tomorrow's video and it could be pushed back to Sunday. So, you know, uh, but I think it's clear What I mean clear is, I mean, I gave it to the members and the, and the uh, patrons and they seem to like it, which is the 1959 Epiphone Les Paul. So that video will be out tomorrow. And um, that's one of the deepest dives I've done. If you notice, I keep getting more intense in the videos. I'm spending more time with them. And in that one, we show you a couple of tricks to, to fix a couple of things and a couple of things to look for. So same, 
same thing. I hope that helps in your question, but I don't know. <laughs> okay. Sometimes I'm like, I don't know if I was helpful or not. Uh, Atten says, hey, Phil, I always forget my question when you're live. So how about this? Okay. Uh, will you ever build, design your own custom guitar? And what guitar innovation would you want to make? Have a good week. Well, remember, I started building basses. That's how I started my whole life in this world, was I was making basses. You can find those basses if you're so inclined. Um, I had import versions and, of course, the custom ones that I was building. And they're McKnight basses. They say McKnight on the headstock. And what I will tell you about a McKnight bass is, if you ever see one, you don't have to go, I wonder if that's the weird bass he's talking about. He's just say mine were weird. <laughs> Look at how weird they are. We wanted to call them the Gumby bases, but I couldn't get any, uh, I couldn't get permission to call them Gumby bases from, I couldn't get trademark permission from Gumby, <laughs> like Gumby and Pokey. Uh, and um, so anyways, uh, so I did that. Like I said, I've, I've kind of done that in my life and uh, I enjoyed it immensely. Um, I will say this, and I've said this before, at the time I did that, I was so young that I didn't really know how successful we were. Um, I, I really thought <laughs> I was like, I, I don't know. It was just in my head. We should do millions of dollars in business and guitars. <laughs> I was like, we should do millions. We should be millionaires building bases. And, uh, and, uh, so anyways, my the reason I tell you that is sometimes I look back now and we did a lot. It was a crazy amount of work that, uh, we, we accomplished in, in the time we did that in a few years we did that. And, uh, but but anyways, so the answer to your question is no, I would never do a custom guitar or design my own instrument again. Uh, there's nothing in me that wants to do that. Um, like I said, it's just like repair versus uh, building guitars. I would rather repair them than build them. That's kind of my, men my mentality. Uh, and it's, it's morphed over years and it's gotten worse. I like, I like when a guitar is really, really nice. And there's no flaws. That's a really nice, relaxing thing for me to do and play a guitar that's like that. And I like working on the guitars that are not perfect and nice, and I like making them better. I really do that. In fact, that's why, like I said, as much as I like to collect the more expensive guitars, because I've been collecting for a long time and I've worked really hard to build up a collection of nice guitars, um, I still get the most excited on the channel about the least expensive guitars because to me, they're still the most exciting things to look at, touch, interact with. I'm always impressed. And that's one of the things that discourages me from wanting to make uh, guitars. If I made and designed guitars, I would they would be expensive, just like my pickups, because they're made here in the USA, they're made by me, there's only so much time. It would be an expensive proposition. And I I really think it's cool that, uh, like this Ert guitar that's about to be another review, I got two more Ert's to do. I actually requested them. Um, I'm still blown away by the quality of these guitars. Absolutely blown away by them. Absolutely. I know I mentioned it last week, too. Just... Uh, crazy how good stuff is getting sometimes and how cheap it can be and still be good cappy c says speaking about amp demos have you tried the new ehx mig 50 i did a while back i just need a tube head with a lot of clean headroom for fuzz pedals well that would be it <laughs> uh the i you know i never i never uh what do you call it uh when they were sovtech heads before that right because the same company um, I've played the Sovtech um, head and I've played the EHX version and exactly that. It's a very clean amp. Uh, when I tried it, the only thing, my only critique that's negative, of course, is it's that's exactly what I think it is. It's a great pedal platform and I don't use a whole lot of pedal platforms as amps. I said that backwards what I meant. I don't use a whole lot of amps as pedal platforms. 
Grumpy Mike Guitar says, whatever happened to Ralph? <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm laughing. I'm, I got Eminem in my head. Where happened to Dr. Dre? Nothing, he's dead. He's in my basement. <laughs> so anyways, uh, any chance he'll be back soon on videos? Uh, yeah, if we ever do a video again on Saturday. He has to come in on a Saturday because uh, of his schedule. Uh, Derek says, happy new guitar room day after months. Basement finished today. Moving my amps axis tomorrow. Super stoked to stop playing in the bedroom levels. Oh, so he gets to turn up now. What advice for hanging guitars in the wall? I don't know because you're in a basement, right? So I, I only use string swing. <laughs> Let's start there. But I don't know what you would have to do to hang them on your, because I'm not familiar with basements. I would assume there's some kind of wall, like plaster wall too, that you can anchor into and studs and stuff. But if if there is, or if not, either way, I think the answer is string swing. I only use string swing. I've only used string swing, and I only ever use string swing stuff. Not paid sponsor in any way. I just, that's what I've trusted. I use them, and uh, I like them. I like everything about them. I like uh, that they're made really well. I like that they're made in the USA. I like that the family uh, still runs the company, and it's small, and they're independent. I like the family's nice. I like... I'd say I like the prices, but they've come up a lot. <laughs> but they're still, so you know, you can still find string swings that are built to me like amazing. And the only argument I ever hear is that you can go on Amazon and get cheap knockoff ones, you know, you know, made in China uh, stuff, dirt cheap. Nothing wrong with that. That's what you want to do. Do that too. I'm not, I'm not here to tell you that that's a wrong idea either. Look, if, if it works, it works. I, I just like, knowing that the guitar on my wall is safe. So that's why I do it. <laughs> that's all I do. I'm not saying if you buy a cheap one, it won't be. I'm saying that if you buy a string swing, it will be safe. So uh, Jim Cox says, I like their floor racks. I use their floor racks, floor rack as well, as well. My only complaint ever about string swing is I think they should make more products. <laughs> I find them constantly like, I wish string swing made a version of this or they made more of this. Like the floor racks. I wish they made more of them, different sizes besides the seven rack. I really would like to have a 10 rack and a, and a three rack from them. So. <laughs> Gas Addict says, do not use cheap stuff. Ask me how I know. We already probably know from that, from what you inferred. But yeah. Um, Brian says, recently I noticed my string swing wall hanger has started to discolor my Alpine, Alpine white custom shop plus Paul. I would imagine that was going to happen no matter what you did because you got to understand your lacquer. So it's not lacquer burning. It's not discoloring because it's lacquer burning, not from the string swing. What's happening with your Les Paul, Brian, is you probably have too much light in the room. Yep, that's right. Sucks, man. If you want that nice size lacquer that everybody likes, especially on a white guitar, you better keep it in a case if you want it to stay white. It is going to turn yellow, and let me tell you, not only will it turn yellow, but for instance, if you have it, like let's say behind me, in front of me right here, whether you can tell or not, in front of me is a window. So behind me, if you had a white Les Paul lacquer guitar right there on SG, kind of like this uh, this PRS here, but not, you know, th that's not nitro lacquer. If it's lacquer... If I left just a, uh, a stand, a mic stand in front of this guitar and I came back in, let's say, a year, just to be safe. I mean, it could be as much, little as much. Now, this whole guitar would be yellow, except for there'd be a giant white line down the center where the stand was shadowing the light from it. So my guess is the cradle on the string swing is stopping the light from getting to the guitar and it's discoloring at different rates. And so, yeah, uh, definitely don't do that. 
you can't, unfortunately. If you want, if you care, so you know, I w- I don't care. <laughs> like I don't care if my stuff, my uh, Gibsons get a little agey looking and stuff like that. But on a white one, it gets a little tricky. If you want it to stay pristine and and alpine white uh, and not look like a stick of butter, you got to keep it in a case. That'd be my only my only thing. The only guitar that I do that to that I keep a case in is, like I said, my Ibanez uh, gem, floral gem, because the pink pickups, the the DiMaggio pink pickups will bleach out if they're around UV light. Okay. Ah, he says it does live in its case now. And sadly enough, man, you got to do that when it's that kind of guitar. If, if, you, if that's what you care about. I always say that because... Some some people care about how it looks and some don't. I don't find it. Uh, I I'd like to keep it. I don't know. <laughs> I was gonna say it both ways. I'd like to keep it nice, but really I I don't care. Uh, Richard says, longtime listener, first time caller. Hi Phil. Hi Richard. Any idea on good boutique builders for the five e three? Ah, I would like to buy a new used one between uh, one and two k. I would go to Mojo Tone. Uh, Mojotone will build you one. At least they would pre... Remember, some of my advice is now outdated because it's pre-pandemic advice. Mojotone sells a 5v3 kit. Obviously, I did the kit. So did a bunch of the viewers here. But also, what you don't know is that Mojotone is a huge supplier of parts and amplifier kits to a lot of the boutique builders. So a lot of the boutique builders, Richard, are just going to take a Mojotone kit and build you an amp out of it and do some mods to it. You can contact Mojotone and they will build you one if they don't already have one built, but they will build you one uh, and uh, even do mods that you request to it and stuff. So I would do that. I trust them. Uh, They're good guys. And again, they also have great resources if you ever have a problem down the road. That's what I would, uh, that's my recommendation. Doug says, hey, Phil, I need some advice from you, from me, from you. He says, and the chat. So all of you too. From you? Yes. I stopped at Sweetwater Music two days ago and played my first PRS DGT, Dave Grissom uh, guitar. Uh, and he says, it was amazing. It is amazing guitar. It would be the only guitar I... Wait. It would be the only guitar if I owned only one. <laughs> oh, yes. We've all been in love with a woman. Oh, wait. I mean, guitar so much that you're like, I could just be... <laughs> just kidding. Okay, so yes, Dave Grissom guitar will be the only one. Should I sell my other axes for the DGT help? No. <laughs> uh, Doug, uh, you know, here's the deal, man. We call it the honeymoon mode. I know the rule on the channel is, should I buy a guitar? And the answer should be yes. But when you're talking about this stuff, here's the reality of this stuff. I like trade-up ideas, as you know. I like the whole idea you trade a bunch of lower-priced guitars and get a more expensive one. I love that idea. So you didn't say what kind of guitars you have, so I'm going to assume maybe they're comparable. But if they're not and you're trying to upgrade to a one nice guitar, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Maybe go that route. What I will caution you, though, is that when you are in this honeymoon mode, sometimes what you're doing is you're doing two things at the same time that suck. You're willing to sell all the things you have at a discount because time being wise, I'm not saying you're willing to give it away, but obviously if you're in a hurry to get this guitar, you might sell them a little haphazardly. In other words, a little less for less money than they're worth. And now you're going to buy this guitar for the max, right? What I would tell you is they will make lots of Dave Grissom guitars. <laughs> also remember, there's going to be an SE Dave Grissom guitar in about a year or less by the end of the year or beginning of next year. That's unofficially, but you know, let's just say that's probably going to happen. 
That's what I consider. Um, that's just my advice is to do that. Is, or at the very least, if you still want to do it, uh, you know, try to wait as long as you can. If, it, if that means a day, if that means a week, let the moment cure a little bit. I know you always worry about the one that gets away. What's great about PRSs is, <laughs> it's one of the few guitars I get to say this about, if you find a PRS that you love and then they sell it, there's another nice PRS. With other brands, it gets a little tricky, but PRS, man, they have a thing about being consistent. That's why some people call them, like, they don't say they have a soul or they're sterile. That's one of the comments that are kind of negative towards PRS because they kind of feel a certain way, and they what it is is they feel very consistent. <laughs> so that's just some thoughts. Other than that, um, but if you don't have to sell your guitars, I would say buy it. And then, in other words, if you could do it this way, because it's Sweetwater, you can if you can afford to buy it without selling your guitars, play it for a week or two. Because remember, Sweetwater. And then, if you love it, then sell your guitars. And if you don't love it, return it. That's another great piece of advice I would give you. Pedal Ly says for the pedal jar. You know what's funny is it's for the pedal jar. Does it mean I have to buy a pedal? That's probably what I would have to do. I have to buy a pedal. I was actually trying to buy a pedal this week. I don't know why I was out there at the music stores going, I need a new pedal. I couldn't find anything. Uh, Johnny says, supporting the cause. Happy Friday. Thank you, Johnny. I'm excited about our little project coming up, by the way. So you guys will all learn about it soon. Hi, Desert Hodad. Hodad says, nothing. But I'm going to say they said hi. John Doe. John Doe says, I'm a Strat guy recently. <laughs> There's no comma there. I don't know why it stopped. There's this, I'm a Strat guy recently, and I just bought three eggs from guitars. Okay. I'm Maybe I'm not reading this. The Viking Limited and the Super Viking and the Viking 2 are phenomenal guitars. I'm probably not reading this right, but I'm reading the way you wrote it. <laughs> it says, I think what it is, is he's saying he is a Strat guy, but he recently bought three E-G-G-S's. I don't, it says eggs, but I'm going to say uh, from guitars. Uh, and it says Viking Limited and Super Viking. And uh, he's loving them. They're phenomenal. There's probably there somewhere in there some some letters got jumbled around when you're typing the message. Or I'm just miss, missing something. Either way, I hope we got something out of it. Robert. What does Robert want to say? Phil, what can you tell me about Gibson 59 Tribute pickups in the 2022 Les Paul? Um, not much. I don't know much about them. Uh, I haven't really tried anything of the new 22, 2022 lineup of Gibsons. So not, not really. I like Gibson pickups. I think that's what I see. It's, it's tough when you're like, I haven't tried them, so I can't tell you for sure. And if I have tried them, maybe I'm not aware of it. Um, but, uh, I like Gibson pickups. They're some of my favorite pickups. Okay. Hold on. And again, if you're trying to talk, if you're sending me a message or a question, please um, put the question mark for, first. Uh, Paul Flower says, are court guitars the best thing coming out of the court tech factory? Um, I would probably say to some extent best, yeah, for the dollar, for the dollar amount. Like they probably make better guitars than their guitars for their for their clients, but they probably don't make better guitars for the same dollar. They, I've said this before, Cortec, of course, makes all kinds of guitars, pedals, amps. I don't know if you know how big Cortec is. In fact, I don't know if you know, but uh, Cortec just bought Digitech. Uh, so Digitech is part of the Cortec family, which is a very big trend in our industry, which is maybe another little segue. Hold on, uh, Paul, I'll get to your point too, or your question. It's a segue. 
there's two things that I've talked about this that happens in this industry and a lot of other industries too, but we're talking about this industry. There's two things that happen in this industry a lot, which is uh, a company, and this is a cautionary tale to companies, and some of you guys watching right now have small companies, so I want you to pay attention to this because it's I've seen it so many times, it's crazy. The two things that happen to a lot of companies in this industry is they get a distribution company, so a wholesaler, okay? Those sometimes are Command or St. Louis Music Company or, you know, you know, you name it. There's all kinds of distribution companies. So in other words, what happens is, is maybe you're in Europe and you want to sell the U.S., so you ship your stuff to a wholesale distribution company who's now going to buy them from you and then sell them to the dealers, and they become the middleman. The other thing that happens, of course, in this industry that's also like that is you also have uh, uh, you have another manufacturer build your product, right? Okay, uh, Ghost Building. Sometimes we call that uh, OEM official official license. Oh, OLP official license product. Um, so, in other words, you have a manufacturer maybe overseas. Usually, it's overseas, but sometimes, so you know, there's domestic outsourcing as well. Like I've said, Brian Wampler has Wampler pedals made by Boutique Amps in California. I mean, there is domestic outsourcing as well. In other words, there's manufacturers here. There are companies here that build guitars for, uh, you know, uh, other companies here in this country. Uh, and so it's outsourcing can just be anywhere, not just, you know, shipping it, shipping it to Asia. But the important part of this is the reason why I tell you those two tales is that two things seem to happen. In almost most of the cases, almost every case, <clears throat> the brand value is the most powerful thing. So in other words, uh, you own a company and it has a brand. Let's use Marshall as a great example. You have a company and you make great amps and your name is you know Marshall and the Marshall brand has power and has weight. People buy it, people trust it, people like it. And let's say Marshall goes, okay, we're going to have stuff distributed in, distributed in the um, United States. And what happens is the distribution company in the U.S. Ha- gets to see all their numbers, obviously, because they're selling all their stuff. Um, uh, so what happens is, if you have your brand power start slipping, you might put yourself in a position where your distribution company goes, you know, we know what we can sell of this company, and right now they're not looking so great. Let's buy them, and then think how much more money we're going to make. Instead of making a piece of everyone sold, we're going to make the whole enchilada because we'll own the brand. So that happens sometimes. Uh, Fender's notorious for doing that. They'll become a distribution company for somebody, and then they'll buy them. That happens too. Now, to the OLP, the official licensed product companies, which I think is kind of like the Cortec deal, is you have a company that's now making product for a company, and that company starts declining for whatever reason. And then at some point, your manufacturer goes, well, why don't we just buy your brand and do it? Because again, if you're struggling as a brand, and this is the important part with those both those guys, the, the, the wholesalers and the manufacturers, if you're struggling... If they buy you, they won't be struggling because you're struggling because you are relying on somebody to build your product, which is a huge cost, or you're relying on somebody to sell your product, which is a huge cost. And once they acquire your brand name, well, they don't they don't have any additional costs. They just have the 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 cost of the acquiring the brand name. So uh, I'm not shocked when I hear things like Cortec bought Digitech because they were probably building all those pedals, or if they not were not building those those pedals, they can, and that makes it easy. So yeah, so Cortex now the official. Owner of Digitech, at least according to Cortec. And the, the, this brings up the second part of this qu- question, which is I think companies like Cortec, they're going to keep growing. They've been growing for years, but I think they're a different mentality now. I've said this before, and I'll say it again. There used to be a need 
for a manufacturing overseas, they needed they needed a company to sell to the dealers here in the United States. And again, I always talk about the United States because the United States is still 60, till even this year, is still 60% of all musical instruments sold, uh, guitars in the world are being done in the US. So it's a big part of the chunk of the market. Okay. Even if it was only 40% of the sales, it'd be a huge part. So the importance of that is manufacturers, especially overseas, they tend to always need somebody to help sell those those products because you got to go to dealers, you get in a car, go to a hotel, you know, pay somebody got to have, you know, pay for his breakfast so he can go into the, uh, to the music store and sell it to the owners. And yeah, is there a couple of big clients like Guitar Center and Sweetwater and stuff? And yes, but as the internet has shown us, they can now kind of do a lot of that without doing those things. And they can sell direct to consumer or they can make, you know, they can do a Zoom call and get into LA Music in California and get a big account. Or they can do Zoom call and they can do Chuck Levins, which is a bigger dealer, not huge dealers, but bigger dealers, and not have to fly out here and not do all this stuff. And so because of that, I think you're going to see a lot of companies like Cortec uh, that manufacture some of this stuff just saying, okay, well, let's start buying up some brand names because that's the only thing Cortex missing, obviously. And then we just said it, and that's and that's the reason I, I bring this whole speech up uh, to I want to be I wanna, who asked the question as I got sidetracked. I apologize. I'm sorry I lost the name, uh, but the because I thought I pinned a question I didn't. But uh, back to the does Cortex make a better guitar when it's their brand on it? They can for the price, but here's the question. The question is once. Once Cortec owns a few brands, well, now they don't have to worry about, you know, discounting the Court brand because that's the discount. I reviewed a bunch of Court guitars on the channel. They got great reviews. They are fantastic guitars for the price. And the only downside of them is it's a Court brand. I don't care. I'm not a brand snob, so I don't care. That's why I check out all kinds of guitars and I just don't care. But, but we all know you get more money if you have a more powerful brand. So acquiring up a few brands and putting them on your product that you're making for other companies is a smart move. And I think a lot of companies are positioned to do that. So this will be interesting to see what happens in the next decade with the new market change um, to see being more internet driven because of the COVID. I mean, COVID really, really made the internet thing really going crazy online sales more so than anything else. And so it'll be interesting to see. Scott, I'm just doing Scott's question because it looks like it might pertain to this. It says, dealership model for guitars, question mark. Some states have laws that you must buy new cars through a dealership. Uh, well, the car dealership thing is a totally different rule and world than uh, guitar market. That's not the, the guitar dealerships. First of all, a lot of them manufacturers don't like the term dealerships. In fact, Fender won't uh, use that term. Uh, they don't have any policy official against it, but they don't use the term dealership. They don't call a Fender dealership. They just call you a Fender dealer. Um, I know that sounds the, like the same, but it's not. See, when you think of a Ford dealership, you think of someone who sells Ford product and pretty much exclusively where there is no real stores that sell just Fenders and has a Fender dealership. They just have Fenders. Um, the the laws and how that's done is there's nothing affecting that for guitar. There's no nothing no, nothing that says you have to be, you know, that they have to go through dealers. Um, and that's I think that's the core of what Scott's question is, is that in most states, uh, if not all of them, I think I, if I recall, I think Texas and Tesla got in a fight, right? Because because Tesla wanted to sell direct to customers and there's laws in most states. I can tell you in the state I live in, Arizona, you have to be a dealer to sell new cars. You can't just sell, you know, the uh, Ford can't sell new cars straight to the consumer. Um, 
unless there's some exceptions that I don't know about, and there could be, but for the most part, you have to go through a dealer. So there is no laws in most states that say, no, if you buy a new guitar, you have to buy it from a new guitar dealer. Nope, those manufacturers can sell direct to you. Okay. Hold on a second. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry, I'm just reading... Reading reaction comments. All right. Uh, we have another question. I'm sure of it. And uh, this one's from Doug, who says, Phil, when I went to Roberto Venn's spring of 2015 on a GI Bill, okay, I am a truck driver now, and I make enough money to buy good guitars, okay, but I'd rather focus on playing guitar versus building guitars. I do my own repair work. Okay. I thought it was a question, so I was reading it kind of like a question. I apologize, Doug. So it's more of a statement. So he went to Roberto Venn. Roberto Venn's a school for Luthery. It's here in Arizona. It's a very good school. Um, and uh, he says, uh, and he did it in 2015 on the GI Bill. Yep. I use my GI Bill as well. He says, I'm a truck driver now. Oh, yeah. So basically, he's just saying he likes to play his guitars instead of work on them. That makes sense. Like I said, I love working on guitars. I don't really like building guitars. Isn't that weird? It's like a I know, and I have friends that build guitars, and they hate the idea of doing anything. Like, they like they hate the idea of fixing something. They just like start. Like, why would I fix it? I can just build it from scratch better. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. sense. But me, I like the idea of something's jacked up, and I just keep going until it's not. So there's something in that mentality for me. Um, John Doe says, I also just bought a Charvel Pro Mod with a green Telecaster with reverse headstock and a Fishman pickups. Great guitar. Could you revert? Uh, could I review Hagstrom? So I was like, he just wanted us to know we got some cool guitars. And then he hit with the question. Um, I would love to review Hagstrom's again. Like I said, uh, it's just, I got to come across this stuff or you guys got to request it enough or a company's got to reach out. That's usually the three methods in which things happen. So you requesting it is always good because it's in my head. And sometimes if a company hasn't reached out or if I don't have a lot of backlog of company stuff that I, I'm doing, or if I think it's just getting a little mundane, because sometimes I worry about that. Sometimes if I get too many of the same things to talk about in videos, I kind of lose, <laughs> like, I don't want to say momentum, but I just lose my excitement for this. And uh, so sometimes I like to bring in like something else outside the outside of what I have. The Juggernaut says, hey, Phil, what are your thoughts on high mass bridges? Oh, I need a new bridge for my uh, P base. Uh, are there KYG worthy of our marketing are worthy? Are they a marketing gimmick? I'm not into heavy instruments. So, of course, high mass bridges usually add more weight. The argument is here's what I can tell you installing so many of them like badass bridges and all kinds of things on bases. Um, I hear it. It's subtle, though. You know what I mean? You, you kind of like you hit the note and then you go, I've never put it like, you know, never tested it by like officially, but just, you know, and I, you could say it's a placebo because anything could be placebo. But in most of these cases, I could care less what it did or didn't. I was just being paid to do it. So it wasn't like, oh, man, I hope this bass sounds better. Oh, it does. And then I'm like, I made myself believe it. Like I could care less. The customer's like, put this on there. I'm like, all right. But I play stuff. You know, you play stuff. When you set stuff up and you work on stuff, you play it for a second to get a sense of the instrument before you start messing with it. So if something seems wrong later, you don't go, oh, crap, was it wrong when I started? So in this case, uh, many times I've swapped the, the, the mass bridges high mass to high mass bridges. And almost every time I, f I felt I heard some more sustain, uh, maybe a bigger thump in the boom, um, but always subtle, like to the point where I was like, I don't know if it's worth it, but it does do something. I actually did a test on this channel with uh, bridge pins on acoustics where I put in high mass brass ones. It's on a Sharp MX with a tailor. And 
that video, it's funny how videos are kind of like science projects. That video was supposed to be me debunking that. Oh, yeah, this is stupid, right? <laughs> Brass pens versus wood versus plastic, no difference. But what happened in the video was very obvious to tell the brass pens sounded much differently than the plastic pens and the wood pens. So yeah, and there's there's a there is a there's a reality to it. It's just it's subtle. And sometimes that's, you know, <laughs> sometimes that's enough. Which brings me to a uh, an interesting question I pinned earlier. Hold on. And where was it at? <laughs> As I say that, I say I pinned it and then I maybe I didn't. Oh, it was from Greg. And Greg, this question, I wanted to pen it. I didn't know if we'd get to it today, but uh, I thought it was interesting for a second, so I grabbed it. And then this question that we just did uh, remind me of it. it. says, why are guitar players so concerned with how light or dark a fretboard is? You know, he, I have a theory on that. Not just that, but on everything. And here's my theory. And, and here, uh, hear me out. I think it's because when you give anyone, much less guitar players, but anyone, too many choices, they're going to scrutinize, 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 man, that's it. I, maybe I should start drinking during the show. They're going to scrutinize those choices even more so. Let me give you an example. If you came over and I offered you a glass of water and I said, hey, I have cold water and room temp water, what would you like? It's a simple, simple decision. You're like, whichever one you like. You prefer cold, so you're like, cold water. Thank you. I don't think you would really think about it too much. You know, maybe you prefer cold a little bit more over room temp or vice versa, and you just make your choice. However, you came over and I said, would you like something to drink? I have water, room temp, cold, uh, uh, you know, bubble water, right? Uh, carbonated water. I have, uh, you know, uh, flavor infused water. I have Gatorade. I have Coca-Colas. I have juices, orange, cranberry. You know what I mean? Um, you start giving somebody a lot of choices. Then they start thinking about it. <laughs> well, what do I really like? What am I in the mood for? Am I in the mood for water? Nah, I'm not really thirsty. I kind of would like something with caffeine in it. Maybe a Coke. Well, I don't know. Do you have a Diet Coke? Like, you know, see what I'm saying? It's like giving people more choices actually makes the problem worse <laughs> instead of better. Instead of making a quick answer of two things, one of the two things they, they don't like. I find that it used to be that way in stores. I think a lot of us can relate to this. A, a lot of us older folk. Uh, and you go into a music store and you're like, I want a Strat. And you went in there and they had six. And you went, okay, they have six. And you look at the colors and you're like, well, I wanted surf green with rosewood, but they have a surf green with maple. And I don't like black and that has the rosewood. They have a sunburst, right? And you're like, but it doesn't have the... Oh, it doesn't have the pickup combination I want. So you're like, mm, eh, I think I'll just go. I want surf green, so I think I'll go surf green maple, and you just do it. I I used to buy guitars exactly like that. I know for a fact I would go in a music store in the mood for a certain type of instrument or pedal or product. You know, hey, I want a Boss Phaser pedal. And I'd walk in, they didn't carry Boss, and you couldn't find Boss anywhere, and they had MXR Phaser. And you go, nah, eh, all right, that'll work. It's a Phaser. I, I, I buy it, <laughs> right? You never do that now because... Why would you? You have a thousand things you can choose from. <laughs> so now, not only, so imagine this. So before you were here, you are picking a guitar with a different color fretboard than you 
than you wanted. Now, you would think that just having the option to go, okay, I want to surf green guitar with Rosewood fretboard, that would be enough. But now you have somebody like Sweetwater, and they're like, well, we have six to choose from in that color with Rosewood fretboard. And you're like, oh. And you're like, here are the weights we're offering. You're like, oh, uh, well, I think I want the lightest one. Oh, but that fretboard's a little lighter. I don't like that mark there. Okay, well, maybe I'll get that. <laughs> right? And so, and it actually gets worse. Um, and uh, I've said this before. I, I had uh, had a, a company tell me this, uh, a, an owner of a company tell me this a couple years ago, and we were uh, talking, and he's like, he didn't understand the YouTube reviewer uh, world, right? He, now, keep in mind, he, he sponsors videos and sends products out to channels and stuff, but he just didn't understand it. He's like, why do these guys need people to tell them what to buy? And I go, they don't need people to tell them what they buy. I go, that's not what's happening here. I said, the problem is, is there's so many damn options <laughs> that you got to do some research now. It's like, it used to be so easy when it was like it or lump it. But now with so many options, you, the pressure to make the wrong choice becomes more so. <laughs> so now you got to watch like, oh, what did this guy say about it? What did that guy say about it? <laughs> so not because you need their opinion. It's because you're trying to focus down your 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 mindset, your decision. So that's my. So that that's why I thought I'd uh, chime in on that one. I, I like that question. That's why I pinned it. Um, let me go back to it because I want to say thank you to who was that question for? <laughs> from it was from Greg. Thank you, Greg. Um, as I go silent. Okay, where are we at? Let's go to the next questions. Next subject. Scrutinize. Scrutinoise. Yeah, I like scrutinoise. Okay. Uh, yeah, Kyle says the same with craft beer. Sure, of course. Well, like I said, that's what I said. It's not just specific to guitar players. The more choices you have, um, the more problematic the decision becomes. So, all right. Let's refresh this. And, oh, okay, so ha John Doe, so now I have everything fi figured out with John Doe. John Doe is the one that said that he's normally a Strat guy, but he bought three uh, Hagstroms, the Viking, the Super Viking, and the Viking Limited. That's what he was saying. So thank you for clarifying that up, John Doe. And, yeah, I would love to. I, I used to be a dealer for Hagstrom. I used to carry Hagstrom. I love their concept. I love the idea of the phenolic resin fretboard. I love the idea of their... Um, what do they call it? They have a special name for their truss rod. It's like an H truss rod. I don't I don't know if that's what they called it, but that's what it is. It's an H-shaped truss rod. It's like more like a steel girder um, on their truss rod. Very unique, interesting thing. And uh, a lot of cool options on those guitars. But, you know, I just haven't had one on the channel. Luke, Luke over, not like look over, but Luke over says i recently got a sterling stingray sr50 that was fairly poor in very poor condition upon receiving it should i save up longer for the ernie ball or give the uh, sterling ball music man another go um well your only two choices are simple man if you want the music man's out you either gotta upgrade to the real deal the real deal being the expensive one or you gotta mod the this the uh, sterling in other words take care of the frets I've had good luck with Sterling's overall as their quality, but a lot of them do need attention. That happens. Um, had an interesting question. I did. I just reviewed a Music Man. Uh, I did the uh, Saber, and in one of the comments in that video was somebody was like, uh, "Why are you scrutinizing the fretwork? It's a three thousand dollar guitar. We uh, we already know it's good." And I was like, 
I didn't respond, so I guess I'm responding now, was I was going to respond. I just didn't have time. I, I was going to respond with, well, you obviously thinks, but you're not watching any of my videos because uh, most of the high-end guitars are failing these tests. Uh, that's how that works. So um, so my answer to Luke is the same. You can still get the expensive Ernie Ball and still have issues. It's not going to be likely, but it's possible. So you have to decide. Do you want to pony up all that extra money? It's a lot more money. I mean, it's a lot. But... Um, I'm a big fan of both Sterling and Music Man. So either, like I said, your choices are, if you still want a Music Man, either fix the Sterling, which is, even with the repairs, if you pay somebody to do it or you do it yourself, it, it's going to be a lot cheaper than the than the USA one or pony up for the USA one. I think if you do either one of those, I think you'll be end up being happy. Ray says, best office amp? <laughs> I'm an English professor. Uh, I, I'm going to just go and say it's the THR five by yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yamaha. <laughs> I'm just having fun with that. Uh, that's the one I would, I would recommend. It's a small amp. It's, it can run on batteries. You can plug it in. It's pretty straightforward. I, I would go with that one. If you need a little lamp or, or, uh, if you just want something really tiny, the Black Star Fly is super cheap and super good. I have one of those as well. 60 bucks. If, maybe it's 70 now, but it's really good for the price. Uh, Angst Wolf says, today's retirement fantasy. Okay. Never happening. <laughs> okay. Be a greeter at Walmart. No. Get a job at Guitar Center. Crazy? Stupid? Anyone? Okay. I see where you're going with this. So basically, he's saying his retirement fantasy, instead of being a greeter at Walmart, is get a job at Guitar Center. You you are going to regret that. <laughs> um, here's why. It looks like they don't work, and they work. You know what I mean? I know how. Look, retail is a is not a is a no thanks business. There's just no no love in it. Um, and uh, if you're going to retire, I don't know if I, you know, you're thinking, your thought process sure is you'll be around guitars all day, but you won't. You'll be around loud music, people who are upset at, for no, no, no help of your own. That's the bigger problem. I, if you're going to think about getting a job like that, I would definitely look at maybe even a mom pop shop and getting a job there and helping them out. Um, because here's why Guitar Center, the hardest part about that, uh, working at Guitar Center, is there's really no, in my opinion, there's no support from upper management. The failure guitar center is the, from the top. It's the top down. Now, that's probably true with most businesses, but from guitar center, I see it immediately coming in. Um, I've gone through guitar centers with viewers like you guys right here. I've, I bumped into you at a guitar center somewhere, and I've talked to you about this, and I've walked people. Some of you may be watching right now, and you could chime in when we did it, but I would walk you around Guitar Center and show you why the upper management gives no shits at Guitar Center. Excuse my language, but it's just true. Because I actually pointed out, I said, did you, if you were, if you were the, if you were the management of Guitar Center, would you allow these things? And I would walk, I walk around and show them. And we all agreed like, no. And I'm like, right. So you could argue that the employees are failing, but the employees are failing because either they're not being trained to do something, but more important, they're not being held accountable by anybody to do it, or, and, and, not shouldn't say or, and given no resources to do it. It's a really thankless job that doesn't pay very well, that's a loud, loud, loud music. They probably should all be wearing uh, ear protection all day. So, so a lot of those Guitar Center employees are going to get tinnitus 
and like I said, that's why I said, if you notice, I've been critical of Guitar Center for many years, but I am not very critical of the employees. Everybody likes to point out the bad employee they bumped into. Sure, of course. That's what happens. But Guitar Center's problem is a is a management problem. It's, the, it's their policies as a company. is horrible. That's what needs to be fixed. That's why I have no problem critiquing them because that's something they should be paying attention to hear from their customers and fix. Sweetwater, if you have a bad experience, when I hear people have a bad experience with Sweetwater, it's always a, it's always a person at Sweetwater that's the problem. It's usually not their policy. Usually. Okay. Don't, don't, <laughs> somebody's going to put in the comments. Oh yeah. <laughs> They're going to find, this is what their policy was on this. But as a whole, their policies are pretty good and their resources for their employees are phenomenal. And one of the things they fixed, which is the problem in, in with, and look, I'm telling you as someone who had a store training people, it's tough. You cannot, this is not like a normal retail business, like, you know, where, all they have to do is know where the toothbrushes are and point. You have to know something about this, you know, this, this product. And so you have to train these people. You can't have high turnover with training like this. This is in-depth training. You know what I mean? They, somebody comes on the screen like, yeah, I know guitar. You're like, you, yeah, just because you know what a guitar is doesn't mean you have training. So you have to train people. Guitar Center's uh, turnover is too high. I know retail turnover is high, but theirs is way too high uh, because it shouldn't be as high as uh, what normal retail is. It should be lower than that, which is why Sweetwater does training, right? Uh, and, uh, and they, they have, they have to have resources to empower them. So that's the issue with that. So that's my whole point. Don't, don't work for them. Um, uh, I would go to a mom and pop shop. <laughs> is, I'm sorry. That's just the truth. I would go there and maybe help somebody out and do that. Um, but I would think you're going to make yourself crazy working there. So unless they change things and they may one day, I just don't see it. I just don't see it. It's so weird. So, especially with, and another reason why I like to be critical of Guitar Center is they're winning when it comes to retail. Like, Sweetwater's winning when when it comes to sales. Like, Sweetwater dominates the market. They're just going to keep dominating. Um, But when it comes to stores, physical stores, Guitar Center's got 300 stores. They're the dominant force. When you dominate a market, but you have no no desire to actually do it right, it's weird. (laughs) Because it's like, it's just weird. It's weird. Uh, so I'm just laughing because I just think of the craziness of it. Yeah, Susan says mom and pop shops are great to work for. They can be, right. It's a Mom and pop shop is very easy. If the owner, if you go in the store and you like the owner, if you like the manager of that store, then it's probably worth working there. But uh, at Guitar Center, I can tell you this is where it's different. If you go into Guitar Center and you like the manager of that store, it might be nice working there, but probably not because you're still going to have to deal with the fact that they have horrible policies and no resources to, to like I said, to empower and, and help their employees. HK says, who is known for the best prices? I'd say as a retailer, well, actually, it's funny that I think the best places that are for prices are not known, right? So you're like, who's known for it? Uh, well, I find the ones that are known for great prices usually have crappy prices. For instance, Sweetwater will make you a deal, but their prices are, for the most part, just posted prices. Um, you can find way better deals. If it's all about deals for you, I'm just saying. It's all about deals for you. Like, oh, man, like Pro Audio, right? Uh, Pro Put Pitbull. Pitbull, Pro Audio Star, Music Store Live, which is also Pitbull. Um, there's, a, uh, uh, there's a Dave's Guitars in Florida. 
Um, there's a ton of retailers uh, that are notorious for just, man, just slamming prices if you want if you want to deal. I would say Pitbull Audio is probably one of the best places, and of course, like I said, Music Store Live, where they are going to give they're going to be aggressive with their discounts uh, when you talk to them or or email them. So, and there's a couple others. I'm trying to think of the other ones known for that. There's another one that's in New York that's on Reverb a lot. And I, I can't think of the name. Some of you guys will probably put it in the comments, but they're just the same thing. They'll, they'll do silly, crazy 20, 30% off prices. So no problem. So, uh, six foot dig says bought a new Spectre NS pulse two. And there is a bit of grit filling on the back of the neck around the third fret. How can I safely fix this steel wool? Um, I don't know that specific basis finish. So I'm going to assume that it's a, uh, not a, uh, polyurethane sprayed finish if it's satin if it's satin you can use steel wool if it's not satin you can't because you will obviously you will make it satin um i'm familiar with spectre bases obviously but not every model not every time on this so i would say here's what i would suggest if you have a a gloss finish on the back of the neck i would use something like mcguire's uh and uh just buff on it with a with a hand towel either made of uh, wool or cotton and do that or if it's satin, uh, do a little steel wool. Justin Stokes says, no, do batteries corrode after keeping them in your pedals for a while? Okay, so there's two kinds of batteries, uh, nine volt batteries. And um, um, <laughs> I have a video on it. <laughs> it's funny. It's like, it's one of those things. Like it's, I know it's redundant when I'm like, I have a video on that. Um, there's two kinds of videos and one does corrode and one does not. Are two kinds of say videos or batteries? Two kinds of nine volt batteries, uh, al alkaline. Alkaline batteries uh, corrode. In fact, they actually kind of uh, not only they corrode, they kind of they, I don't want to say dissolve. I'm going to say this wrong. Please, somebody forgive me. Some somebody's out there is going to get upset. Uh, they basically consume themselves and then they kind of just kind of ooze out and fall apart. And so you should never leave those in anything. That's that white crusty crap that you see when you open up a cat. So anything alkaline, um, usually the cheap EverReady batteries, the Dane Electro batteries, all the cheap batteries are alkaline. You want to basically never leave them in pedals uh, ever, uh, as silly as that sounds. Like even if, you know, I mean, maybe for the night, but otherwise take them out. But like uh, good Energizer Duracell batteries uh, should be fine, should be fine. Uh, it, barring the extremes of extreme heat to extreme cold, mostly extreme heat. Yeah, Brian says they gas off nasty stuff. Yeah, so like I said, alkaline's easy stuff. So cheat, just like I said, it'll say alkaline in big letters on the side usually, which makes life easy for you. Um, take those out because they'll ruin whatever you have. Like, for instance, what I can tell you is... Uh, Anytime I get a new pedal, a new instrument, like a bass, active electronics, anything with a 9-volt battery in it, the or any kind of batteries, the first thing I do is open it and check the batteries. And if they're the cheap batteries, I toss them. When I say toss them, I mean I use them in something else because, you know, you don't want to throw them away. But, I mean, use them in something that I don't care about and then put a nice battery in there. A nice battery pays dividends. Think about that. So, okay. Hold on. Ah, so Ray says he's in, obviously he's in Canada first because you super chatted me in a Canadian currency. 
<laughs> he says, Long and McQuaid in Canada, no guitar center. That's right. What I don't know, I've never really heard anybody from Canada talking about it. Maybe uh, uh, Ben's in the... Ben, I have a video for you, man. You could do it. You know what would be an interesting video that you could do? Is like, did you like that? I can make work for people. You should make a video for us, uh, for us Yanks about uh, Long and McQuaid versus Guitar Center. I know they're the comparable. In other words, your Guitar Center in Canada is Long and McQuaid. But the question is, where you can do this? I I would imagine Ben, you've been in Guitar Centers because you've been in in California. If you haven't, when you go to the Nam Show, you need to go to Guitar Center. Um, go to Guitar Center and then go to Long and McQuaid and then basically make a video. You don't have to physically do the footage in their stores. Just, I'd love to, I'd watch that video. I'm sure a lot of us would. Uh, tell tell me which one's better and worse. Like compare, do a comparable. I would. I really interesting. I just assume they're not as bad as Guitar Center. <laughs> it's just like kind of like my, uh, you know what I mean. It's uh, that's just my thought process. I I always hear every time I hear Long McQuaid, I always think, oh yeah, they're probably like they're like the better Guitar Center. But I don't know. Maybe they're just as horrible. So that would be an interesting video. I'd like to hear that because I've never been to one. Okay. Thunder Falcon says, will Guitar Center turn into a used guitar gear only store? Not even, no. <laughs> I They probably, they can't even get used gear right now. If you notice, most of the stores don't have anything. No. No, unfortunately. Um, what, what's going to, what's going to happen now, and I'm, I'm going to obviously be working on that now in uh, this summer, is... Since we were basically locked down for two years during the pandemic, for the most part, there's a lot. Oh, mm, excuse me, sir. Arming training. I'm losing my voice. There's a lot of things that, like I said, are pre and post pandemic in the idea of what, you know, the information, what useful the information is. And so a lot of the stuff with Guitar Center, they may have changed. You know what I mean? Uh, In other words, where's the bread and butter coming from Guitar Center? You know, is it, is it the... You know, is it the lessons now? Is it the, you know, is the repairs? Is it the used guitars? You know I mean? Things can change. It could be the same, but it could change. As I... Okay, hold on a second. A lot of you guys are talking about Sweetwater again going, sometimes I get discounts, sometimes I don't. That's usually how it works. Like I said, sometimes... The, I th- I think we talk about this all the time about asking for discounts. I, I've said this before. Don't take anything personal <laughs> when you don't get a discount. Now, that doesn't mean you have to accept the answer, but don't take it personal. Remember, it's sometimes training. Sometimes people don't know how to ask, you know, not you. You can ask for a discount, but the employee doesn't know how to negotiate it or do it. It could be on them. It could be the product you're asking for is in such high demand they don't want to do it. You could be, you know, everything's, you know... Like I always tell my friends uh, when they're looking for jobs, the, the reason why you have to apply all the time is because sometimes you get hired off your skill set. <laughs> sometimes you get hired because they just need bodies. You always want to have a resume out there when a company decides they need to hire some people, especially when they go into HR. And and that lesson was taught to me when I used to, obviously I've talked about my corporate life in in the past. And I used to have to hire people and me not, it was all managers. You just had to, we were part of the hiring process. So when they would hire an employee, you would go down with another manager, always two managers and do the interview. And at the interview, this is what I learned from my company. 
at the interview, you would put, you know, whether or not you thought they should hire them. And then both, they would look at both managers and then compare their notes. And the first thing that's ever happened to me was kind of like a shock. It was like, I put, oh, do not hire, you know, and I explained all my thought process. The other manager came to the same conclusion that this person was not qualified, was not going to be a good fit for the, for the job. And, you know, we, we left the interview. I don't know, a week later, two weeks later, I was walking down the hallway and there was that person. And they were like, hey, remember you interviewed me? And we're like, oh, yeah, hey. And we're walking by and I'm thinking, that's so weird. I can't believe HR hired him. We both said he was not gonna, not good. And it's because they needed like 20 people. <laughs> and they basically told us. We bumped in HR and we're like, yeah, I can't believe you hired them. They go, oh, we hired everybody that day. We needed 20 people. There was only like 21 applicants. <laughs> I'm like, so it was, and the reason I take that is because I was laughing. That was my lesson learned was I was laughing because I was thinking like, so why do we have to interview him? Why don't you just hire him? If you're going to hire him, just hire him. <laughs> so, um, so what I learned from that was that's not, uh, that wasn't like a unique thing it happens all the time. So, um, same, same logic. So same logic for deals. Always ask for deals. If they got them to give, they'll give them. If they don't, they won't. You never know. Okay. Some of you guys are talking about guitar shops in the UK. I've been to a bunch of guitar shops in Europe. They were all great. There's a there's a different vibe to the guitar shop in Europe that I definitely love. It's a different it's a different vibe, and there's something I like about it. Uh, Craig wants to know what does Craig want to know? Oh no, I can't jump to Craig. Sorry, you got to do Thunder Falcon. Thunder Falcon says, "We'll go back to you, Craig. Don't worry." Great example of Guitar Center shady policies is Steve. He's he's giving us example of their shady policies because there's not enough examples. <laughs> I'm just giving you, I'm giving you a busting your chops, Thunder, Thunder Falcon policies. Steve from Boston, Jackson SLL SL3X purchased a big chunk missing out of it at the headstock. Yeah, I mean Thunder Falcon. There's a thousand bad examples, but they're also a really big dealer that do a lot of sales. I've personally had some horrible Guitar Center experiences. Uh, it's pretty hard to find somebody who hasn't had some. Uh, Craig, now we're getting to Craig, says, Hey, Phil, what's your thoughts on the new RevStars versus Les Paul Studios versus PRS SE Custom 24s? Would you replace either with the latter or the RevStar? Uh, I personally, of the SE Custom 24, okay, versus the uh, Les Paul Studio versus the RevStar, uh, for me personally, if I was going to pick one, I would pick the Revstar, then the Les Paul Studio, then the Custom 24 SE. Um, not just because of what guitars I have, because I have a Revstar and I have a Custom 24, um, and I have a Les Paul. It's just in those, of those guitars, that's the guitars I like in that order. <laughs> so, uh, and maybe not the answer you were hoping for. Um, I don't know. <laughs> the... I hope that helps. Okay. Okay. Uh, hold on. I'm just looking for another another comment or question. Oh, Michael, good question. Michael says, how do you dial out sizzle out of distortion or what aspects create sizzle in distortion? Sure. Uh, well, first of all, to me, distortion or overdrive, but we're mostly focusing on distortion, but either way, to me, 
two things are going to cause it to fizz or to sizzle to give you some of that undesirable thing that you're having. Because some some players love it, some players hate it. I have in the moods when I like it, moods when I don't. The two things that will dial it down is obviously the gain control, right? So if you turn the gain down, you'll get less fizz, less distortion. But sometimes you lose all the sustain and the whole distortion itself. So your gain control is one factor, but the actual input, in other words, how much signal is going into that distortion, whether you're talking about a pedal or an amp, is a big deal. How I do it is I roll back the volume on the guitar. Um, That's how I do it. Or you can play a guitar with lower output pickups. That's a big part of it. Um, So there's actually three options. Guitar with lower output pickups. Turn back the volume knob on your guitar to clean it up a little bit, which will definitely cut back the sizzle a little bit. Or you can use an EQ pedal in front of the distortion pedal. And in that EQ pedal, you can use it to, to back off a little bit and not have to push so much signal because that signal is causing a lot of that fizz. That would do that. That's how I do it a lot. So, uh, that's it. Um, hold on. I scan real quick. And again, if you're directing anything towards me, just put the question mark at the beginning first. So I know to look for it. Davis says, he's talking about when we were talking about pedals or uh, batteries either earlier. He says, don't you want crap batteries and fuzz pedals? Yeah, that's so, so does something for you. Sure, why not? Just take them out when you're done because they can corrode and damage the product. Okay. All right. And I'm looking for one last. Oh, you know what, Google Dog? I want to do this question because you've asked it a couple times. He wants to know how stable the neck is on my Alvarez Dana scoop. It's fine. <laughs> I've never had an issue with it at all. That guitar is in tune right now. I probably tuned it a year and a half ago, and it's still in tune. <laughs> so, yeah, it doesn't move. It's fine. Um. I've never actually, I've seen a couple here and there over the years, you know, on eBay or Reverb where somebody said, you know, stuff on its damage. But personally, uh, you know, coming across them and uh, you know, dozens of them years, I've never seen one with an issue. So that's the. Oh, David wants to know, what is the copperish colored guitar over my right shoulder? My right shoulder? Oh, that's the Kiesel Delos. So that's in, the, I have a video on that. If you go right to that video, and then of course it's in a lot of videos. It's a, uh, it's called, officially it's called Copper Metallic Penny is the name of the color they did. Okay. All right. Uh, and then we'll end with this one. This is the, this is, uh, Rick wants to know, I have a new PRS S2594. I have a, I have a static, like static electricity. When I rub it on my hand, it's probably because of nitro lacquer. Um, 
on the back of the neck and the body, not a ground loop hearing it do to nitro. Any ideas? Yeah, just use a dryer sheet. Try to find, so here's your two choices. You can try, you can use a dryer sheet, although some of them have cakey, uh, like fragrances on them. And so they're a little tricky. So it'd be a little light with them because it's kind of always going to rub that waxy stuff all over there. And you have to clean all of that off, all that off. Or what I use is a static spray, um, or a non-static spray or anti-static spray, static free. I don't know what you call it. Some static spray spray. And, um, I spray it on a cloth and then I rub that on there and it'll take it all off. That's the best way to do it. That it will fix the problem, uh, probably better than most anything else. So, oh, uh, Greg, no, G just says G. G says, I thought he meant, he's talking about the, when I answered the copper question right there, he was also saying, what about the single cut? That's an Ert guitar, Ert single cut. That, that video is like a week and a half out because there's two or three before that, two before that, just two before that. I can look on the schedule. I have it on a schedule. Why not? Why not? We'll end with this. I'll tell you guys what's on the schedule. Uh, we have a bell tone guitar that's coming April 28th. <laughs> I just kind of feel like, and uh, I feel like I should do it in a special voice. Ert single cut guitars, April 25th. The Epiphone 1959 Les Paul says it's April 23, which is tomorrow, but it might be April 24. Some, some of these move by a day. That's how it works, depending on what I'm, when I want to post them. So, All right. There you go. On that note, I'm going to let you guys go. It was a good show. Uh, I appreciate you guys hanging out, of course, every Friday. I said Friday. As I said Friday, somebody said dryer sheets. I'm like, dryer sheets? So, all right. And then, (laughs) see, we're going to go. RNA Music wants to know what's my favorite Washburn. My favorite Washburn is probably my Nuno N4, which is right there. Mine, uh, custom color, Nuno N4. And then after that, it's the Idol, uh, the Idol. Uh, I like the Idol. I think uh, Ryan uh, likes the Idol as well, right? That's the way I remember it. The Idol is a very good guitar. You know, I kind of regret this, but a couple weeks ago, Ryan, there was a USA-made Idol. They wanted 1400 for it. It was out of their uh, Washburn Custom Shop. I think it dropped then to twelve, and then to 1000 I think it ended up going for 800 bucks which is crazy for a USA custom shop guitar. But you can find Washburn idols, which are basically of the quality of like PRSs. And especially the, the Indonesian ones are good. I like those. Some of the Korean ones are really, really good because a couple kind of tidbits that are like a little nicer. And then of course the USA ones. If you get bored and you guys look at stuff, check out the uh, Washburn idol series guitars. You can find really nice ones for sometimes score them for good price, even in this market. And uh, they're kind of like the PRS Mira. That's kind of where I like, I kind of like the same guitar for me. It's like kind of like an SG meets a Les Paul. Very cool guitar. Very, also, you know what? Very Novo, very uh, Fano kind of vibed instrument for sure. And uh, it's a really cool, really cool guitar. And like I said, sometimes they're, they're now they're asking top dollar for them again, like everything else. But man, even now you can still find scores, really sweet deals on them. So, all right. On that note, I'm going to let you guys go. You guys, thank you so much for joining me for this episode. I will see you guys next Friday at 3 o'clock. And uh, look for those videos this week. Uh, I appreciate that. And uh, until the next time, I guess I'll leave you with uh, Know Your Gear. Know Your Gear.